0: You can open up your Bibles. We're going to start in John chapter 14. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah. So this morning, Pastor Jim brought us a message that I think was really strong medicine. And it was strong medicine. I'm not talking about, you know, sometimes you can take something that you have to swallow and it has a very bitter taste, like Buckley's uh, throat... uh Whatever the uh, the the cough syrup, you know it tastes horrible, but it works. I'm not talking about that kind of strong medicine. I'm talking about a strong medicine that uh, is very effective, and maybe it's a little bit difficult to take. You know, some medicines um, they're they're difficult on the body, but they produce a good effect. Does that make sense? So this would be difficult on the soul, but it's producing a good effect. This morning's message was entitled, Do You Believe It's Coming? And if you haven't heard it, I strongly suggest that you would go back and listen to it. If you have heard it, go and listen to it again, and perhaps again again. again. I know I will. I know that it was good medicine for us. Do you believe it's coming? And, And if I were to summarize it in a nutshell, I'd say that in part, what we're seeing in the body of Christ right now is... Christians who are in fear because their idols, their exalted idols are failing them. If if I could summarize it. I mean, Isaiah 44 goes into detail about all that. Just amazing how God brought that out this morning. But that as Christians, we've gone ahead and put a lot of faith into man-made systems and exalted them. And we didn't do it consciously, but they became idols to us. And now that they're failing, which, you know, it was inevitable that they would if they're idols, they're fake, they're, they're, you know, made of wood, hay and whatnot, whatnot, they're man-made hand-fashioned things. They're not God. So it was inevitable that they would fail. But of course, the outcome is fear. And, you know, right now, I don't know if you're hearing anything. I know I'm hearing some things. I'm hearing that the economy is going to fail. Oh, no. And if you're in a Christian in fear over the economy, I'm going to tell you right now, that's because there's an idol of financial whatever in your life. Who's our our provider? Yeah, Yeah, God's our provider. He doesn't promise to only provide when the economy's going well. That's not the promise in the Word. In fact, we have examples of, of the Lord using a raven to feed a prophet. I mean, that's that's a miraculous thing or sending another prophet to to um, a widow and the Lord preserving the widow, her son and the prophet with basically a little bit of oil and meal that should have ended with that was the last the last meal. That was it. And yet it carried them through the rest of the famine. That is the God that we serve. Proverbs 1810 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are saved. It doesn't say that Alain's bank account number is a strong tower, and Alain runs into it and he's saved. Fine, The, the, the economy and the, the, the prosperity of this nation is an idol and it's failing, possibly. I don't know. I don't really care because that's not where my provision has never come from the economy. Amen. Neither has yours. How about this? The new government is going to eliminate freedoms. Oh, no or promote immorality, or destroy the nation. It's a failing political idol. It's falling apart, but it's just an idol. It doesn't matter. It wasn't going to save us anyways. Or how about uh, COVID-19 is really just the beginning. There are worse pandemics right around the corner to take us out. Oh no. <laughs> There's a failing medical idol. All these idols, all they are, are a security blanket. And you know what a security blanket is, right? You know, you have a little baby and you give them a blankie and they love that blankie. And every time they go to bed, you give them blankie. And blankie's always with them. And then, you know, the baby starts to get older and blankie's always with them. And when are the, whenever they're afraid, what do they grab for? Blankie. It's a security blankie. So imagine a grown adult male, like a 45 year old, he goes into a bank and he's waiting in line and these people bust in with guns and they're going to rob the place. And the 45-year-old pulls out his security blanket and puts it over his head. Is the blanket keeping him safe? No, it can't. And this is what these, these failing idols are. But because they are things that, as a body of Christ, we've been putting our faith and our trust in, now that they're failing, fear is growing. But we, as a body of believers, are supposed to be living in peace even in times of trouble. That's supposed to be where we live every single day. Amen. As I was praying about what I would minister tonight and just seeking the Lord, he began to bring all this up to me and he brought me back to John chapter 14. And you're you're there already. Let's go to verse 27. And this is a scripture that I hold on to on a regular basis. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he's about to leave, right? So you can imagine that they have a lot of faith and trust in him and there's a lot of confidence in who Jesus is and there's probably a lot of fear and concern that's beginning to rise up in them because he's saying, I'm about to leave. I'm I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you orphans, but I'm leaving. But he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you, But it's the second part that always gets me. And he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said to his disciples, and by extension, he's saying to us, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And really what I hold on to in in terms of this being one of my go to scriptures is that there's an imperative in there. There's a command. Do not let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. It's up to me. He's given me peace, but now I have to take an action in response to having received that peace, and that is that I not allow my heart to be troubled or to be afraid. And another way to be to say would be to be agitated. And you see, all these things that we keep hearing, for some of us, what it's producing is an agitation on the inside where you're concerned and worried and concerned and worried and concerned and worried about what will be. What's coming on the horizon? Well, it's like Pastor Jim keeps saying, listen, we've already read the end of the book. We know what Revelation says. There's a lot of bad stuff coming. Yet in the midst of it all, we can, if we are going to pursue it, live in total peace because we we do not let our heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We choose to not let it be agitated. We choose that. Amen? Amen. I can only imagine that in you know in Acts chapter 16 we read about Paul and Silas and they've been arrested, they've been beaten and they're in the stocks and God only knows what's going to come tomorrow, right? And they had an opportunity in that moment to be troubled, to be agitated, to be afraid. What did they do instead? They worshiped. And I used to say, you know, they worshiped until God came. Till one day the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, "They weren't worshiping to make me come. They were worshiping cuz I knew I was on my way." Amen. No matter what we're going through, and we we sing these songs all the time, you know, I wasn't alone in the fire, you're there with me. And then when we're in the fire, we're like, oh no! Hallelujah! We need not be agitated or troubled. Amen? Okay. Now, I don't want to see or hear anything, but I'm going to say this. If you call this your home church and you've been here for at least a year, or you've been watching for at least a year, you know... Matthew 4.4. Amen? Luke 4.4, sister verse, exact same thing. It is, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We hear that scripture so often, and yet do we truly live it? If we want to live in a state of total peace, we have to start there. We have to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The problem with the body of Christ, and there's two problems really, is that so very few Christians actually spend quality and quantity time in fellowship with the Word in terms of the written Word and in fellowship with the Word in terms of the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. How can you know the Word of the Father and live by it if you don't spend time in fellowship with it and pal around with it? We need to be doing that on a regular, ongoing, on-purpose basis, far more than we have been. You know all of last year twenty twenty we began to hear about the blueprint and so on and and was pointing to a future that was upon that you know that is to come you know all these things that we're preparing for in terms of a, of a revival but I'm telling you it, it's upon us okay and and you know I don't know what your vision of revival was, but it probably isn't going to be you know daisies and flowers and rainbows and everything wonderful. It's probably going to be really really hard in terms of what's going on in the world, but it's going to have a uh, an effect in terms of what's going on in the kingdom of God here on this earth. And what am I saying? What I'm saying is. There may be really difficult times ahead of us. But we should be able to walk through it in the grace and the peace of God. And then see God move in powerful ways and transforming people's lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other issue with. The word of God in terms of people living according to the word of God, of course, is so many Christians choose to interpret the word of God by use of the natural mind, the soul, their emotions, their will, all that stuff. And what that has resulted in is, of course, there are as a body of believers, we're more acquainted with our safety idols than we are with the Lord. Add to this, we have too many voices we're supposed to live according to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what we're supposed to live by. But then we add to His voice and to His word all sorts of words coming from here, there, and everywhere. I was—we uh, have—we um, don't have cable at home. We stream our television, and we have a Roku. And uh, you know, I went to one of the apps on the Roku. And it was uh, a news agency, and I won't tell you which, but the description was, it said uh, basically the latest news headlines and crit- critical analysis. The critical analysis is what made me go, oh, because you see, it used to be that when they gave us the news, they just gave us the news. But now they give us the news and then they tell us what we're supposed to believe about what they just told us. You know, we call it the biased news. They give us their opinions. That's what they call the critical analysis. That's a voice I'm going to tell you I don't need in my life. I don't need their opinion of what they believe, especially the, uh, the opinion of spiritually lost people. I don't need that in my life. I don't need them to tell me what I should be afraid of and what I should be panicking about and what I should be concerned about. I don't need them to tell me what's right and wrong in the world. I don't don't need their critical analysis. It's interesting because uh, Lester Summerall, Jamie and I, some time ago, we were watching him. It was a recording, of course, because he's dead. Uh, but he was giving a testimony about his time in terms of going to meet Smith Wigglesworth. And he said that the first time he went to meet him, you know, he's, in, he's over there in England and he's riding a train over to wherever he is. And uh, he was all dressed up nicely and he had a newspaper and he's carrying it under his arm and he rings the doorbell. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth, and I'm probably not getting it exactly right, but you're going to get the understanding of it. Basically, Smith Wigglesworth opens the door and says, that can't come in here. Pointing to his newspaper. And so Lester Summerall shoved his paper in the hedge to grab it later, retrieve it later on his way out. But essentially, Smith Wigglesworth did not allow, and we're talking about like 1930-something, 39, 38. He thought the news then was bad. He thought the news then was producing things in man that should not be. Good Lord, how far we've come in almost a 100 years, right? Pastor Jim's saying lately that it doesn't take him very long to read through the Dayton Daily News. I'm not reading that, I'm not reading that, not reading that, because the headline tells him all he needs to know, right? Hallelujah. How about social media? Is that a word that you need in your life? It's, social media is probably the worst thing that's happened to our modern society. Is there anything worse than giving everyone a soapbox from which to broadcast their opinion? Absolutely not. Who? Why? Why would we sit on our phones, well not literally sit on our phones, but have our phones open to some app or at our computers and just read for hours what other people think about what's going on in the world right now? And let them dictate to our hearts what we should be feeling about what's going on in the world right now. And we'll spend an hour or two or three on these social media sites getting all this word, and then we'll give God 15 minutes in the in Psalms. And we think that we're going to get peace from that? It doesn't work that way. I'm telling you right now, for me, it's like social media and I are, have have parted. A long time ago, I was unfriending people on Facebook. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. You're gone. Now it's like I don't even go on the app. I've been on the app recently a couple times just because my daughter just got married and that's kind of cool. I want to share it, but that's it. Amen. I don't need that noise in my life. Why would we want some stranger to fill our hearts with fear and dread over what's going on with COVID-19 or to feel our, you know, fill our, our, our minds with opinions as to whether or not we should or shouldn't wear masks or what we should or shouldn't do. Like, why? Why are we letting God do that? How about the voices of friends, families, or peers? We, we have people in our lives who are close relatives or very close friends who shouldn't have a voice in our life. They shouldn't. And you, we need to be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm not saying that you need to cut them out of your life But there is a point at which maybe you stop listening and hearing what they have to say and certainly stop seeking their opinion on certain matters. Amen? I have two older brothers. And as a little boy, you know, growing up with two older brothers, whatever they said, that was it. That was gospel, if you will. But there came a point where I grew up and I began to seek the Lord for what was truth. And that's not to say that my brothers don't know truth and have some truth and so forth. But you understand what I'm saying, that if my brothers were to speak something that is ungodly, I shut them off, even if they're my brothers. And I love them. Does that make sense? So if you have an older sibling, you shouldn't be speaking. And This is for somebody, I don't know who. But if you have an older sibling who's speaking into your life, and maybe you're a teenager and you have an older sibling, they're not the one you should be following, okay? And if you know they're saying something that's contrary to the word of God, don't receive it. You know better. Amen. We would do well to eliminate these external voices. They're not helping us. We're supposed to live according to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. How about we give more time to what he's saying than to every other voice? And of course, add to all this, there's always Satan. He's always there, he's the, the great deceiver. His tactics, always the same. Discredit what God has said, twist what God has said, reinterpret what God has said. You know, in Mark 4, we, Jesus shared the parable of the sower of the seed. And he taught his disciples saying, the sower sows the seed, the seed is the word. And then of course he gives us, you know, all these different uh, types of soil in, upon which the seed falls. Right? We understand that. That seed, that word, and what kind of fruit it produces. Well, Satan, he's the great counterfeiter. He's sowing seed, too, all the time. He's sowing word all the time. And if we allow that seed of word deception into our lives, it's going to produce fruit in our lives. In the same way that the word of God will produce fruit, produce uh, 30, 60, 100, Satan wants to do the exact same thing. And if we have soil that's conducive to deception, then that's when we produce a lot of seed. When we entertain the serpent, when we entertain Satan, the outcome always remains the same. We allow the root to take hold and we begin to doubt what God has said. And then just as Eve did, we begin to analyze, examine and assess the things that are going on around us, the information that we receive and we, we we analyze it with the seed of deception and with our natural mind. and of course, what happens? We become corrupted. And this is how we end up adopting idols as security idols in our lives. Hallelujah. We need to have the mind of Christ. Turn with me to First Corinthians second chapter, please. Praise the Lord. So how are we going to deal with this? See at this point, It's hard to know sometimes where our thinking has been corrupted. If we've thought a certain way so long, it becomes the way to think. You know, it's funny when two people get married, a lot of times they enter into a marriage with different ways of doing things. And both ways are the right way. Why? Because it's the way it's always been done. And so it's hard to come away from the right way when it's the way that's been ingrained in your thinking. So let's go here down to uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll just start here in verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. So the spirit of the world, all right, we see the spirit. In verse 12, it says, we have received not the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world, that's the soulish man the man absent of the new birth, absent of the nature of God, that spirit is always looking for a security idol because that's all he can look for. He can't understand the things of God and so he tries to make sense of what's going on around him and create a place of security for himself. You know, even if it's temporary, even if it's just in his mind, he's looking for a place of security. And so he erects idols. And that's why throughout history we see people have erected idols. And now in 2020 people don't, you know, Go cut down a tree and use part of it to cook food and part of it to heat their house and the other part to worship. We don't see that anymore. And yet we do see that by virtue of their actions, there are still idols in their lives. Right. And, and and really, we've just detailed some of them just a few moments ago. The natural man has idols. And so if there are idols in a Christian's life, it's because we're not living always according to the nature that we've received. It's like we go back to a default of the natural mind, the natural way of thinking, and I think, okay, I'll be safe if my bank account is fat. If my bank account has, has lots of money in it, I'll be okay. And then, of course, the world economies crash and crumble and your bank account is worthless because nobody cares about... What was, you know, the numbers on a line in your bank account? They mean nothing. Yet God is still a provider in the midst of that kind of world. Amen. So let's go back here. Verse nine, it says, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him, for for them that love him. Sorry, I'm just checking the time here. Ah. So some people have incorrectly taught that we can't know the things that God has prepared for us. That's error. If we leave this in context, Paul is talking about the mysteries of God and he's talking about that this is an Old Testament prophecy, but he goes on in verse 10, but God, okay, nobody knew all these things, but God has revealed them. These things that were unknown, these mysteries, God has revealed them. How did He reveal them? By His Spirit. And of course, in our Bibles, the King James puts a capital S on there. It's not by the Holy Spirit that these things are revealed, but by our new nature, by the life that we have given, been given. Okay? Why? For the Spirit. Again, it should be a lowercase s, referring to our new nature, the life that we've received. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit does not need to search out the deep things of God. He already knows them. It'd be kind of like uh, a scavenger hunt and you got to find a hidden treasure, but you already know where the treasure is. Where's the fun in that? There's no fun. In- the Holy Spirit does not play that game. Okay, So this is really referencing our new nature that has the capacity to search out the deep things of God. That's what He's given us. An ability and a capacity to know Him and to know these mysteries. Hallelujah. And again, of course, we continue verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world. That's, of course, not referencing a a world counterfeit Holy Spirit. It's talking about a death nature, a sin nature that can't know the things of God. We know the things of God. Hallelujah. But I want to go here just for a moment to verse 14. It says here, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. And really what I want to stop on here for a moment to talk about is the fact that we as Christians have... A choice every single day, every time we're presented with any new information, we have a choice whether we're going to measure and analyze that information by use of the natural man, the soul. I'm going to use my intellect. I'm going to try to understand this based on what I already know and understand about things and so on. I'm going to allow my emotions to inform how I'm going to deal with this and so on. I have the choice to go by the natural way of doing things or I have a choice to stop and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I know you you are here with me and I know I have a nature to search the things of God to understand and to know what you have to say about this because I want to live according to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God even when it comes to things like the politics in this nation. I want to know what God has to say about this because I'm going to live that way. Amen? That's the thing about a Christian is that a Christian can always go back to the natural and we know they can go back to the natural mind because they do it so often. We see it so often, don't we? Hallelujah, Jesus, help us. Just give you an example. You know, in terms of all this COVID-19 stuff, there is so much information out there that we could avail ourselves of. So much. There are so many studies on what's going on with COVID-19. Do you know that there are countless, well, countless, I'm sure somebody could count them. I don't know how many there are. There are many, 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 many studies on positive asymptomatic people. Some studies say that You can be positive for COVID, asymptomatic, and still be contagious. And there are many studies that say the opposite, that you can be positive, asymptomatic, and nobody's going to get anything from you. So how are we supposed to govern ourselves? Okay, two things. One, we're going to do what the government tells us because we're obedient people, right? The government's not telling us to reject Jesus and burn our babies. We're okay. We're not being told to do anything contrary to the Lord, so we're fine to be obedient. The other thing is we're just going to be At peace, knowing, hey, it doesn't matter, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. What difference does it make? Why is this the hill people want to die on? I don't understand. The people are really, really angry about the mask. Where were you when they were introducing abortion on demand? Why weren't you screaming so loudly then? That was a much bigger cause, okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have a nature with the capacity to search the deep things of God, to know and understand the deep things of God, because we now have the mind of Christ. But we have to choose it. We have to choose to live according to that mind. It's a choice. Turn with me now to Romans 8. We're going to close here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how to live according to the mind of Christ. Let's go to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit also helps our infirmities. Hallelujah. He also, meaning there's something else helping our infirmities, we've already seen it. It's our new nature. The life that we've received is dealing with the infirmities, but we need help. And that's where Holy Spirit comes in, because... We need help. Hallelujah. I don't know how to I don't know how to even approach this. I don't even know what the problem is. You know, if you have a computer with bad programming, that computer cannot fix itself. That computer needs an external party to come in and to reprogram it so that it can run properly. That's Holy Spirit to us. See, we've allowed bad programming because we've listened to the social media and we've listened to the news media and we've listened to friends and neighbors and family and a whole bunch of people speaking things that were not the Word of God. We've allowed those things in and corrupted our programming. Now we need the Holy Spirit to come in and to help us. Praise the Lord. But again, it's a choice because I get to choose how much or how little of praying in tongues I'm actually going to do. Wow. I'm going to spend more time on all these other things than I am praying in tongues. Why? Because I'm lazy. I don't know. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to His purpose. Holy Spirit knows what is going on in our hearts, and He knows how we think and how we believe. Holy Spirit knows where these thoughts and beliefs are contrary to the mind of Christ. He sees those seeds that have been sown and taken root, those seeds sown by the enemy. He intercedes for us according to the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit causes us to know the mind of Christ. He teaches us the mind of Christ and then we have the option. Because it's still always an option for us. God never takes away our free will. We can pray in tongues 12 hours out of every day. And at the end of those 12 hours we still have the choice to say yes, I'm going to be obedient or no, I'm going to do whatever I want anyways. Isn't that amazing? When we come to the place of choice that's when we put the flesh... On the cross, we have to mortify it. And there's where we bring in fasting. Amen. Just closing here. Hallelujah. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is enabled to make intercession for us according to the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Simply being born again is not enough to possess the mind of Christ. You know, there's a difference between owning something and possessing it. Okay? You could own a boat and then someone else stole it. Do you still own it? It's still your boat. Your name's on the ownership, but somebody else is the one joyriding it out on the ocean. You don't possess it. So we can have the mind of Christ, but to possess the mind of Christ is a whole other story. Amen? How do we do it? Pray in the Spirit and follow that leading. Hallelujah. So, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's up to us to do. Hallelujah. The Lord is our strong tower not all these failing idols. And if we're going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to pray through us, we're going to find ourselves in a place of choice once again to whether or not we're going to be in fear over all these things or if we're going to live in peace. But if we can just shut all these voices down, all these external voices that are not speaking the Word of God, I'm telling you right now, it will go much better for us. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Really, sense that the Lord is saying that there are going to be some really difficult times ahead. But it's times like these when we're going to get away from it all and just isolate ourselves with Him that we are going to find times of refreshing and strength to be able to endure no matter what comes. And really, tonight take the the word for what it was intended in terms of a warning to get away from those things that trouble, that agitate, that cause you to be afraid. You know, when it comes to social media, there's a tendency to find people who think the way we think. And so they just reinforce incorrect thinking. And then, of course, we bump into people who don't think the way we think and then we get all agitated and frustrated and angry. That's not where we should be living. Hallelujah. So go ahead and rise, please. Stand with me as we close. Hallelujah. Just let the Holy Spirit guide you when it comes to those things. Obviously, we need to get some news somewhere. I don't know where you get it, where you can't. You know, where it's never biased in one way, shape, or another. But, you know, we need some news. Maybe you get it, because at some point, you know, we got to learn or hear, you know, the governor's uh, new rules. we well, are we going to hear about it? Well, generally the news tells us, right? But just be prayerful about it. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. And that, Lord, that you have chosen to reveal your Son to us. And that reveal Yourself to us through Your Son. Thank You for sending us, Holy Spirit. And thank You for our salvation. That our eternity with You is on the horizon. Lord, we're so looking forward to that final adoption. Lord, we give You all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. Amen.